And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight's show is going to focus exclusively on psychology and strengthening your mental health because... As someone like yourself who is a seeker, who stands strong and stands by your convictions, especially in today's world, can be a little bit more challenging for you. I mean, think about it. Most people during this whole uh, pandemic thing, they went along. They just did whatever they were told. You had all these people that were just saying, oh, well, uh, I don't want to upset anyone. I'll just wear a mask. And people like you and I were like, well, (laughs) go screw yourself because... Our freedom doesn't stop where your irrational fears begin. So no, not going to do it. Not going to put on the face diaper. Not going to go along with the program. And I guess there's some upsides and downsides. When you stand by your values and you stand by your convictions, you have that inner peace of knowing that is truly who you are and you have nothing to be ashamed of. And I think it's really soothing. But... If you trade that up and you go along with the collective psychosis, you you basically sell your soul out, I believe. I think you sell a piece of your soul. You sell out your integrity. And for what? To pacify a a bunch of frothing idiots? I mean, at this point, all you have left in this world is your individuality. Carry that integrity. And this particular program is going to help you to not only to re-grab that integrity, but to keep it strong and protected. And believe me, When you stay strong and when you carry yourself with honor and when you are an individual, I believe it radiates outwards and it has a positive effect because more people should be like you. Let us begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to welcome to our show Mark Harrell, a psychotherapist. You can learn more about him by going to his website at hiddenstreamcounseling.com. Did I get that right? Hiddenstreamcounseling.com? You did. Oh, awesome. Yes, you did. So, Uh So one of our previous shows... I told you about my experience, lovely experience in the in the grocery store, and afterwards I actually uh, consulted uh, with Mark because I, I wanted to process mentally process what was going on. I'd say he did, he did an amazing job, uh, Mr. Harold. Welcome to our show. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. So, one of the challenges that I think a lot of people have right now is. If you have not necessarily bought into this fear-based hysteria about what's going on in the world, and you, you, you've kind of remained, you know, true to your ideals, I guess, throughout the years, where you, you know, you're kind of level-headed and you, you, you kind of question things, and you, you're a critical thinker, you seem to be uh, the minority in society, or they're wanting to make you feel like the minority in society. How does one maintain their sanity, their mental composure, if a vast majority of people? around them are kind of like losing their bearings or kind of like, you know, basically getting caught up in fear-based hysteria where they're not making decisions that are rational anymore. 
Well, you know, Ryan, that makes me think of something my mother said, you know, 45, 50 years ago. It's every time I got in trouble doing something I probably shouldn't have been doing, following the crowd, if you will. She said, well, if everybody jumps off a cliff, are you going to jump with them? You know, it's sort of one of those things. It's like, yeah, you're right. It seems like if you don't wear a mask, somebody's going to jack you up. If you if you don't show the fear level that so much of culture does today that you're the odd man out and and it's it's just it's sad because we have elevated personal security to the highest level the most important thing in our whole life you know and it's 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 a false sense of reality because you know as a psychotherapist i work with people that are filled with anxiety all the time usually about stuff that well i don't know what's going to happen here well none of us do you know none of us have a crystal ball I mean, we can all take reasonable, you know, risks in life. Most of us probably do. But lately we've seen, like you said, there's more people. It's like, yeah, we can't take any risk at all. There's no risk. I'm like, yeah, well, then do you really have a life? Are you actually doing stuff? I work with people as a therapist that the anxiety that they have about fear of failure keeps them from doing the simplest things from going to the grocery store. Or, or going out or, or doing anything type of situation. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's I think we cope with it by saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to judge those other people. If they want to be more precautious, that's their business. That's their life. But I don't want that imposed upon me that, hey, you have to do what we think you should do and be extra, extra cautious because we think we fear we have a greater fear than you do. No, I, 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 that's just the I'm reading a book on American history right now. And my goodness gracious, that's the complete opposite of the people that founded this country were, <laughs> I mean, incredible risk takers. Yeah. You know, everything they did was a risk to establish a new country. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really wish we had more of that. So I guess it's I guess it's, it's kind of a battle. I mean, people who are afraid all the time and people who don't want to be. And, you know, I want to just wondering when i came to you a little while back and i was saying about my experience at the store when this, when this person was trying to fringe upon me and they were they really kind of get getting nasty about it what is some of your advice for a person who who deals with that a similar confrontation because i mean it'll i think people don't know how they're going to respond or how they're going to react until that situation truly uh, puts itself up i mean i had gone through my head uh, hundreds of times actually how i would handle something and I never thought I would handle it quite the way I did because I guess that's when it happened. So, uh, how, theoretically speaking, how can people uh, handle a situation if they are being confronted? What are some of the best ways that they can do, especially if somebody um, is acting kind of irrational and somebody gently tries to infringe their will upon them? Well, I mean, I, I think, I think Ryan, in this day and age, um, you're better off, you know saying, well, listen, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I, uh, I have my own views on this and I'm going to remove myself from the, um, from the conversation here. I mean, that's, I don't think that's really backing down. And I say that because I remember I had a good friend in the air force way back in the early seventies, we were stationed in Las Vegas, Nevada. And he, this guy ended up getting out of the air force when our term was up in 1978 and stuff like that. And I, I stayed in, I was there. 
I mean, he was, he was a nice guy, but and he was the kind of guy that he looked like he worked out in the gym all the time. He had an incredible physique. He, I mean, guys were intimidated by him because he was just this muscle-bound guy, and he never really worked out. He was just, I mean, every guy envied him, right? Well, I found out after he got out of the Air Force, he moved to he moved down near San Diego, uh, California, and pursued a new life there. And he was, you know, he was in a fast food restaurant, and some kid, I guess they found out it was about a 14-year-old kid, snatched a purse off a woman's arm, snatched the purse off her arm. I saw that happen once, too, in Connecticut, and ran out the door. Well, Dean, being the nice guy he was, he chased this guy down the sidewalk. This wisp, I don't know what he would have done had he caught the guy, but he never got the chance because the guy turned around and shot him in the stomach and killed him. A 14-year-old kid that probably, if Dean had got his hands on him, he would have taken him to pieces or would have grabbed the purse and returned it. I don't know. But that's the danger that society we live in today. You don't know what people are going to do. You don't know how strongly they feel about their beliefs. And I don't really care how, you know, like I said, I don't care enough to, you know, get into a road rage with somebody or get into a confrontation because I mean, as I said, you you could be the big, strong guy, but you don't know what, you don't know if they have a gun or a knife or, or something or, or whatever. Uh, And I think you're better off excusing, you know, saying, Hey, listen, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. I don't feel that way myself. And uh, I wish you well. See you later, you know, and then again, if the person pursues you, then, then I would have like you and I talked about your situation. I would have gone to the manager at the grocery store and say, hey, listen, I mean, this customers, you know, one of your customers is harassing me about not having a mask on myself and my child or whatever the case might be. And I just don't think that that is something that you guys should probably do something about and put it in their hands. I would have I would have handed it over to them, you know. OK, good. Well, I mean. I think it was very productive advice, and especially, you know, I guess it's always better to walk away from something like that. I do wonder, though, I mean, if you're looking at the psychology of the trajectory of the U.S. right now, what do you think is going to, where do you think things are headed? Do you think that um, that we're kind of losing the very aspect and foundation of what civilization is? Because you think about what civilization, okay, you think we're civilized people acting cooper- cooperatively, helping each other. I just look at the way things are right now, at least in some states, and it looks like that civilization is deteriorating at a kind of rapid pace. Like we're going back to some sort of tribalism. But if you look at even the tribalism, maybe I don't even know how loyal those tribes are to each other. So I mean, I'm curious, um, what do you see as a vision for the oh, yeah. little short and long-term future of America, at least? Well, that's, you know, we do see that, Ryan. We do see a great deterioration in the ability to handle stress. You know, I remember, you know, one of my offices, I have a couple of offices, one in Raleigh, one in Holly Springs. And, uh, you know, my office down at the university, I see a lot of university students. And, uh, I mean, we have, somebody wrote an article in Psychology Today about five years ago that said, it was titled Crisis U. We have a crisis that, that the counseling offices at universities, colleges across the country have quadrupled in the last 20 years. There are far more people seeking counseling. I mean, I work with the people down there and they can only they are so bombarded by requests 
from students that they have to, they can only see the student about three times and tell them to find a, you know, a permanent counselor off the campus because that's all they can offer them. And again, they've quadrupled the, the amount of counselors available over the last 20 years. And the, and the article talked so much about the inability to handle stress, the inability to deal with that on your own or, or get some adequate help versus even seeking counseling or just having a, you know, I can't do this. I can't get through this. I can't handle this type of a situation. And, and you, and you couple that with, I mean, heck, even in the 1960s, when people were protesting the Vietnam war, I remember, I remember that, um, at least that you had a voice. There were, there were voice, different opinions from the more conservative or the more liberal, the more the left, the more right, whatever you want to call it. But opinions were welcome on the university to, to discuss these things. That's, that, that's what it was, colleges were supposed to be, the place of, to debate these things. Well, now so many colleges have shut down anything besides what they want you know, their side of the argument, you know, and if you don't, if you don't, you know, agree with us, you know, we're going to punish you, or we're going to exclude you, or we're going to find you, like you said, the, the, the odd man out, you know, like, because you don't have the same opinion we do. A friend of mine had quoted that a long time ago, said, you know, where have we come as a nation where I cannot disagree with you, and still consider you a person that I can talk to, have lunch with, you know, even entertain as a friend because I don't have the same political views as you. Everything has been politicized and it's, it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for us. You know, there's, there's way more to life. If I'm putting my, all of my stock in what the politicians are doing, I think I'm probably wasting my time. I got better things to do with my time, uh, better sources to look at, to say, I got to keep my pulse on, what's happening in the political world. Cause as far as last time I checked, I only get one vote. You know, I get one vote to say it my way. That's our, that's our, our the way our country is set up and it's a good system, but you know, I don't know. I, you know, people, you can't, there's people, there's a vast majority of growing population that says, if you disagree with me, then I don't want anything to do with you. I can't, I can't have a dialogue with you. I can't talk to you. I can't, I, I can't be your friend. And, and I just think that's an incredible sh- shortcoming in people's thinking to think that way. Is that generally a pretext for violence? Is that what happens? I mean, if you're looking at how, if you're looking at the seat of violence, when it eventually goes through, is it, a, is it first where you, you stop communicating and what second do you become resentful? I mean, is that, is that part of the process? If you, if you cannot have a dialogue with someone, if you fundamentally, you know, start verbally saying things to them, like I hate you and some of that, is that basically, yeah. a, 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 you know, yeah. trajectory? Yeah. Anger, anger seems to always have a direct link or a very, a very tight link with, I disagree with how, what you're doing. I, I you, if you don't do things, it's my way, the highway kind of thing. And if you don't do things my way, hit the highway or worse, um, you know, you don't deserve to, you know, you know, we're going to take your opinion away from you. Yeah, and, and that's, that's where anger comes from. That when you and I should have, could have, would have other people, you should, they should be more like this. If they were more like this, if they, you know, it, it would be better. But again, who gets the right to determine, and this is a free country, you know, who gives the right to take people's opinion away from them, even if you don't agree with it, 
even if you don't agree with it. But that's what we see going on out there uh, in the university level, maybe even the, in the school level, you know, indoctrinating kids to, hey, there's only one way to think about this. And if you don't think like that, then you, you should, you'll be excluded. And it's or you'll be shunned. You know, yeah. it's it's just it's it's yeah. I I think it's a certainly uh, a, a dangerous and a an alarming trend that we see in our culture today. I wish there was some way to reverse it in some capacity. I don't know if there's going to be some kind of great reconciliation. Like I mean, it's something like this when when you have when you have when you have things collectively speaking in a societal level the way we have it. If you're looking at history. And you're looking at human psychology. How do things like this get resolved? Is it is it flat out violence, and then people kind of go about their own way, or do, is there some other situation that comes in that is so painful where the pain ultimately bonds people together? I mean, I'm curious about what your perspective is on this. Well, that, that's a great that's a great question because it seems like if we listen to the media a lot of the time, they spend the most of the time beating the drum of uh, what the problem is but not really offering too many solutions, you know? I mean, we, we can sit here and talk about the problems all day long, the things we disagree with, but what about, what about possible solutions, you know? I mean, it, it, you can't turn the news on today without hearing how divided our country is, how split we are, how, you know, it's, it's us against them type of thinking. And I, and I do believe that you, we have to find a solution to that. I, I wish I knew, you know, a great solution to that other than, as I said, you know, you and I coming to the realization that we have to be tolerant of other people. I mean, I, I mean, I live in a world that's diverse. I have to have tolerance for that. You know, if I'm, if I'm a person of low tolerance, um, I'm going to be frustrated a lot of time. If I'm a person of high frustration tolerance, which, you know, because I tell myself, hey, listen, I don't have control over other people. I mean, I can talk to them. I can give them my opinion. I can tell them how, why I think this way. But if you choose another route, I mean, that's your choice. You know, that's your choice. I, I can't, you know, I'm not going to go to blows with somebody or even hopefully get into a emotional argument with somebody about what they believe. You know, I'm going to validate, okay, that's what you believe. Okay, well, I, I, don't, I don't feel the same way myself, but... That's your that's your right to have that opinion. And um, in my head, I might be saying, well, that really sounds a little far fetched to me or a little really off the, the way, you know, far great deal degrees away from the norm. But again, that, that's an individual person. You get to think like unless those views are dangerous. And, you know, like I said, it's, somebody's going to be hurt by them. Um, you know what I mean? What can I do about it? You know, I'm, I, I can I, you, I can use the words, but I, I, I you got again, what we have going on in our culture today is people going to, you know, attacking people verbally, um, um, disenfranchising people, um, you know, isolating people, you know, telling them that, you know, you're, you're you know, we're going to we're going to you're not going to be in the inner circle anymore. We're not going to listen to you. We're going to cut you off. Um, and I just think that's so short sighted. I appreciate the, that answer, and actually, I just want to say that you're, as far as your other answers go, I mean, you're presenting things that are grounded, and it's you, you, you know you're taking a very critical thinking approach to it, and I really def, definitely appreciate that. But I'm glad you said your last answer because it's leading to the next question: is that 
many of us who listen to the show, and I'll say myself included, <laughs> have lost uh, a bunch of friends, or at least some friends, during this whole uh, pandemic thing. I mean, my father and uh, some of the, my uncles, they've had lifelong friends for, I guess, 30, 40, or 50 years. And I always expected that I was going to have the same. And I think up to two years, I, I was on the path. I would always have those, you know, five or six different people I was being in contact with. And now I think I've lost 80% of them because uh, they completely went on board with the everything the government was saying about the pandemic. And, you know, you got to have your fourth and fifth shot. And if you're not on board with this thing, it, it, it's, it was just weird. And I, I don't talk to them anymore. And I think a part of me is still mourning them. Like I, I kind of, I do miss them. I know that it's not healthy to be in contact with them, but I'm, others are going through this. So how can one psychologically process this notion, the idea that once held friends that were really close, uh, people that you trusted are no longer in your life? I mean, how do you process that? Is that, um, do you think that they should kind of like make you feel like less trustworthy of people in general? Knowing that, you know, they could be with you all aspects, but, you know, this thing happens and all of a sudden they lose it. Uh, so I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on processing uh, friendships that are no longer there? And do you think that some of these friendships can eventually be restored in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would hope so. If, if again, if you and I do the right thing, I think we've probably uh, all had experiences where people have perhaps in, in a way turned their backs on us for reasons that we don't feel are, are justified and um you know how do we re- it's 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 basically more how we react to the situation i've seen people restore relationships when hey okay i'm sorry you again i'm sorry you feel that way i'm sorry you feel like you have to you know minimize our relationship or cut our relationship off I, I, again i don't i don't feel the same way about that um but I'm sorry you feel that way, but it is your right to feel that way. And hey, my door is open if you decide to, you know, hey, we're past this. So we can, you know, we can remain friends. I mean, I've had people that, you know, I you might have had falling outs with. And I made sure I sent them a Christmas card and I made sure that I acknowledged them. And even even when they had chosen to say, you know, um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge you anymore. I'm, I'm not, you're not in my circle anymore. I mean, I think it's more about what you and I do, not what they do, you know, cause you have no control over what they're going to do, but I do have control of what I'm going to do. I'm going to respond to that. You know, I'm going to respond to their, if you want to call it turning me out or turning me away by, okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh, the door is open. Uh, if you, if you wish to, you know, pursue our relationship you know to the level we had it at before uh, um my door is open right we don't we don't close the doors behind us on people that you know you don't know why sometimes people are doing some of the things they do what you know what's behind their level of fear you know uh is there any circumstance where you recommend saying well look you know i think when you say well this is probably a situation where you should do it i mean to even protect yourself or even because if fundamentally speaking, a relationship could be toxic because that, me, 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 yeah, I think oh, it's really course. awesome you mentioned that because maybe all relationships don't have to be have to go away, but maybe some relationships can be so toxic because you know a person becomes so radicalized by uh, what's happening. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I I constantly counseling people in counseling about putting up 
boundaries, putting up boundaries with people that are toxic, and sometimes even having those boundaries in place and the person that they're put up with don't even know they're there. You know, they're, they're almost invisible to them, but to you, it's like, hey, yeah, we can't come up and visit. No, we can't come and spend the weekend. No, you know, like I said, you're saying because there are a lot, you know, we have this going on or that going on and, 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 and but you keep a friendly rep report with those people, but you choose to limit the amount of time that you're going to spend with it constantly. People that have been raised in pretty toxic households that have like a parent that's a, you know, severe alcoholic or, or has a severe mental illness problem. And when they go there, it's triggering for them. And it, it, it brings back horrible memories and, you know, stuff has happened. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with people putting up boundaries and saying, Hey, you know, this is what I can handle. You know, this is what I can handle. And I don't have to tell that person I'm putting up the boundaries. I, you know, I can, you know, hopefully work around those things, keep a, keep, keep on friendly terms, not have a falling out, but also limit the amount of time that I spend either talking to that person or being with that person. You know, during the Christmas holidays, every single year, I have people come in and say, I want to talk to you about the dread I feel about going back home for Christmas. <laughs> I said, my, my wife, who likes to go trinket shopping or something since she retired, got me a little candy dish over Christmas. She goes, hey, look what I picked up in the, in the you know, the consignment store or something. And it was, it was a little beautiful little candy dish, you know, made by a nice uh, China maker. And it said, I'll, it had the, you know, this verse from the song, I'll be home for Christmas. And then the line behind underneath it was, and then I'm going to therapy, you know, <laughs> you know for people that, you know, it, it is that, you know, they, their families were so toxic that it, or they're toxic now. And it's, it's just, Hey, this is my vacation time and I'm going to go take it and spend it in a week that I feel like it's going to be miserable. You know, no, I mean, they can say stuff like, Hey, you know what? We're going to go for two days and we're going to stay in a hotel, you know, even though they want us to stay at the house, it could be a parent, it could be, you know, but there's things going on that make it so unpleasant for you. Well, I'm not a big fan of cutting pe family off and friends off unless there's a dire reason to do that. But there is times when people definitely, as you said, have to come up with this relationship has to change a little bit. You know, it has to be less contact. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have, you know, I just was counseling a guy that was in his mid fifties that, you know, it, it was heartbreaking for him to say, I got to find some new friendship groups because it seems like all of my friends that were single, most of them were divorced, et cetera. All they wanted to do was drink with the time they spent together. And he just said, you know, I just find this so unrewarding and I don't want to lose his friends, but that's not what I want to do. I don't want to spend every Friday and Saturday night, you know, drinking somewhere. So he did. He, he ended up, you know, reaching out and connecting with other interests that he had and really, you know, minimize the time he ended up, he was spending with this friendship group that he had. But, you know, I, as far as I can see, he did it for a good reason. Oh, interesting. I mean, I guess we, I guess people, maybe that's a really good thing. Maybe people should start, uh, talking with people or finding other people that have like-minded ideals or maybe people are fundamentally changing. You know, I never thought about it. I always thought that um, 
people are very pro-freedom. They weren't changing, but maybe they are. Maybe they, maybe they are shifting and going into a different direction. Maybe they're not the same people they once were. Maybe they're becoming more passionate about freedom. And that's maybe a little different. They've got to hang out with other people that, uh, that understand their rights and civil liberties. Uh, Mr. Harold, we have time for just one more question. And the question we have is, you know, talking to you, again, emphasized this before, very solid, you know, grounded, a lot of great critical thinking uh, based on your answers, perspectives. What are three things that a person can do to keep themselves mentally strong? Well, I, I think the first, you know, one of the underpinnings for the therapeutic orientation that I work with people, cognitive behavioral therapy, thoughts create feelings that create behaviors and actions is, you know, I have to, I have, I have to tell myself that I, that this is my reality. I have to accept reality in life. Emotionally healthy people like me, like you, like some of the listeners, they have to develop an acceptance of their reality, even when the reality is difficult and unpleasant. I mean, it, acceptance doesn't mean you and I like it. You know, it'd be like the doctor telling you, hey, you have COVID, so you have to isolate. You have to take these medicines. You should stay in bed. You should do this. Somebody that has diabetes, well, you shouldn't eat this anymore. You have to take this insulin. Well, some people, most people probably do, but some people don't. You know, they, they don't accept the reality. They, they, they don't accept that this is my life. Even it, some of it's good and some of it's difficult. That's a tough thing to do is, it, it, is to accept reality. But I think emotionally healthy people develop an acceptance of their reality and they live in reality. They're not living in a, I mean, think about it. The world we live in today, fantasy games, superheroes are going to come save the day. I mean, you know, things that aren't even real. I, I think I read a few years ago, the top genre on TV shows were serial killers, vampires, and zombies. <laughs> oh, great. Positive uh, reinforcement. Yeah. This is what most people are watching, the most watched shows. I'm like, this isn't even reality. You know, is this healthy to be living in a fantasy world, to, to want to, you know, I've had people in counseling tell me, I don't like living in this world. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't think Elon Musk is going to solve our problem by, you know, going out of space. I mean, this is the world we have. You know, I've got to find a way to live well in it. So I think accepting reality is, is a big thing. I think having a, a realistic view of ourselves, you know, there's just so many people that think they should be, you know, that they're, they're infallible. They, they should never have, have make a mistake. I told you, maybe we were talking a study that came out not long ago, what we are, our culture has been changed to the point where Americans are no longer upset that they have a particular problem. They're upset that they have a problem at all. Like my life should be problem free. Well, I would love to know who told them that or how they formulated <laughs> that opinion. But there's a lot of people that are getting pretty frustrated and upset because their life isn't like sailing on a, you know, a sea with no, with no waves or something like that. Or, you know, it's life is going to, you know, is life is tough. Sometimes life is difficult, but it's still in my estimation, still very rewarding. There's so much to be able to do and uh, enjoy about it. Right. And, um, and, and be able to have a good, you know, good mental health. So I remember when I was a kid, I used to hear people say all the time, well, if you got your health, you got everything. Um, 
and I, and I, and I, since I became a psychotherapist realized, no, I, I've known plenty of people that are in top physical health, but their mental health isn't very good. Keeping themselves in their emotions, very balanced, having a balanced emotion, working on that, being intentional about that. Um, and I think um, one of the senators, Ben Sass, out there in the Midwest, wrote a book called Them, that he said the number one problem in America today is not the opiate crisis. It's not fentanyl. It's not divorce. It's not abortion. It's loneliness. We have never had more people living by themselves and not connecting with people. I think, as I said, you have to, you know, you have to connect with people. I think we're made to be connected, not isolated, you know, not living, no man is an island type of thing. You know, I can do this all myself. You know, it's great for us to have, you know, family and friends, you know, to be constantly having a good network of people that we can help us get through life, you know, not doing it, not doing it alone. So I, I would say, you know, those are three good points to don't isolate, you know, make friends, have a good friendship network, a good network, social network, you know, don't think life is going to be problemless, you know, and learn to keep your emotions balanced, learn, learn, learn skills, learn things to keep myself in a balanced way rather than letting them, letting my emotions, you know, take over and, you know, really do a lot of, you know, cause a lot of havoc in my life. Mr. Mark Harrell, I want to thank you so much for being with us today again, Mark's a psychotherapist. And Mark, what's the best website for people to learn more, more about you again? It, it would be, a, a, you know, www.hiddenstream.com or if they just Google my name, Mark Harrell, they're going to find me on the internet. They're going to find, you know, I'm listed in a couple of different offices, so they're going to find me. Excellent. And are you open for taking new patients at this time? Uh, I, you know, I, I have very few openings, very, you know, very few openings. But, yes, I, I, you know, like I said, I don't have a lot of room for new patients right now because it, hopefully it'll get better when COVID settles down. But, you know, I'm not turning people away now, but, you know, it's usually a couple of weeks uh before they can get in to see me. Um, and unfortunately, I'm I, February 15th, I'm leaving for Africa to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh, and wow. then I'm going to the pyramids in Cairo and on to Turkey to visit a, fr- a friend in Turkey, uh, in Istanbul. So I'll be gone till March the 7th. So that throws a little kink in my schedule, but uh, I'll be back That's at awesome. work. Yeah, I'll be back at work full speed ahead, March 7th. Excellent. I went to everyone. I had a first-hand experience with Mr. Howell. It was great. Uh, really helped. Uh, Mr. Howell, thank you so much for being with us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guests. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.